Because I'm going to mention one thing before I get into my lesson. This Friday, Lord willing, at 6 o'clock, I will host my annual men's chili supper. I've been teasing everybody that I talk to. Since it's Groundhog Day, Groundhog Chili would be fitting. But anyway, uh, no, you come over and uh, we'll be glad to have you. Uh, we, us guys, we always have a good time over there. I have a good time. Hopefully uh, you can make it for that. It's at 6 o'clock uh, this coming Friday. Um, you know, I think about a lot of things. Christianity. Christianity. Well, one thing, and we'll look at today and the title of my lesson, and I think people don't grasp this very much, Christianity is not for wimps. You can see that because there's a lot of wimpy people. Where are they at? I mean, any little thing happens between them and someone else, any challenge comes in their life, instead of moving closer to God and His people, they move away. you got to be tough to be a Christian. You think about faithful followers of God in the Bible, men and women alike, they were tough. They were tough, and they were tough with a smile on their face and kind even in the midst of trials, struggles, and persecution. So I think about that. You know, because, I mean, I, I just know a lot of people that when the going gets a little tough, they quit. Most people I know across the board, anytime something's really hard, they give in. I mean, they're not going to stay with it. It's, it's just too hard. And you know, my words are sucking up. Let's get on with this. And you just got to be tough sometimes. And Christianity is going to demand that. If you just look at these uh, statements made in this context, especially from the New American Standard, in verses 12, 13, and 14, press on, I press on, reaching forward, we'll hit a little bit on the idea. First thing you got to do, and where people have a hard time, you know why they quit a lot of times? They can't forget what lies behind. Their past dictates who they are. you got to live above your past. you got to leave your past behind. And then he says, I press on. And, of course, we get to the end, the great thing. I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. I press on. I keep on keeping on because there's a promise of heaven. There's that eternal life at the other end. So you just got to tough it out. You've, you've got to stay with it. So I, I think about this a little bit, and and there are so many things here. Um, just to think about a few passages of Scripture to show you Christianity, if you read the Bible, you have to know it's going to be tough. Paul would even tell us that, um, well, well, we'll just turn, I'm going to slow down today instead of just rattling a bunch of these off and give you a chance to look at them a little bit. Go over to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Look what he tells this young gospel preacher named Timothy and also tells us fight the good fight of faith. Does that sound easy? Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So it's going to take fighting and keeping a hold of something. you got to keep a hold of it. You can't let it down. I don't know. 
you ever uh, had to deal, some of you had and some of you haven't, livestock and have to carry water because you didn't have a pump? Or, and so I, I could do this for you because we carry water to chickens. But anyway, just let me get, I could have brought it today, brought a couple of five-gallon buckets, and we could have just filled them with three gallons of water each and said, now what I want you to do, I want you to not spill this, and I want you to carry it around the building, set it back on the porch and carry it, get the next person. Some of you have a hard time making it around with not stopping. Someone said, I'd have a hard time picking up the bucket. Take hold, come on, get it done. You know, when I was little, my dad said, you can do it. Well, man, half of it's on me by the time I got it done. Well, you know what that means? That just means another trip. So you learn to carry it and not slosh it all out anywhere. And you think about that, Christianity's kind of, you've got to take hold of eternal life. And if you don't watch out, you'll lose your grip. You'll give in. And the longer you got to hold on to something, the harder it is to keep hold of it, isn't it? We got to keep hold of that. We got to fight the good fight. If you think about another one, I like this one over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you look over there real quick, 1 Corinthians 9. Look right down at verse uh, 24 there in 1 Corinthians 9. Listen to these words. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. So this isn't like jogging for exercise. This is a get it on. You've got to be first. Now there are some people that when the challenge comes, you know, when I was teenager and stuff, if they're going to outrun me, they're going to be good because I'm going to tear it up. And, you know, the challenge is on. Let's get it on. I didn't say I'm like that anymore when it runs the foot race. Well, if you're fast, you're going to beat me now. But, you know, the thing is, is you got to run in such a way to win. Listen to this. Do you know there's no participation, just participation crowns in heaven? Only the winners get the crown. You know what's too bad that some Christians won't get the crown? Because the victory's already been won. But you got to run like you're planning on winning. Not just barely bebopping along here. Get it on. Well, I'll tell you one thing I know about races I've run in. If you run in such a way as to win, you know what you're doing at the end of the race? <sighs> I tell you what, it takes something, doesn't it? Now, as we've got older, now if we run like that, we might pull up lame halfway through the race or be hurting for weeks afterwards. But you think about that, it takes real effort. Not for wimps. Look at another one to remind us when Paul wrote to Timothy about fighting the good fight of faith. Just so you know, Paul knew what he was talking about because he also wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll read a few verses here. Um, well, I guess I really need to get 6 before we get to 7 and 8. Listen to this. For I am being poured out as a drink offering. That sounds like he's been used up. I'm drained. You know what most people do when they get drained? They sit down. I've been poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He says, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to be here a lot longer. And I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. All that sounds strenuous, doesn't it? 
And in the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So you look at this idea, here it is, here's what all's going on, and we just got to keep on keeping on, and it's not for wimps. If you look back at chapter 3 of 2 Timothy in verse 12, it says this, And all who live godly will be persecuted. Now, I've never, there might be people, they're strange if they do, I never knew anybody that likes persecution. Boy, yeah, I just like being mistreated. If you're one of them people, something's wrong with you. But you know when you take on Christianity, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to leave some bumps and bruises, not physical bumps and bruises, emotional bumps and bruises, spiritual bumps and bruises, sometimes physical bumps and bruises, but not always. Matter of fact, since we talked about physical bumps and bruises, let's see if Paul knew what he was talking about when he says, gives us that idea, you can't be a wimp and be a faithful Christian. It means you're going to, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, and Christians are tough. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, then I'm going to back up to Matthew, at least mention Matthew 24. But look what he says here. Um, I'll just pick up at verse 24 of 2 Corinthians 11. This is Paul. Five times I received from the Jews 39 letters. Five times he'd had the whip brought across his back 39 times. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's not a little bitty rod. That's like a baseball bat. I was stoned. He doesn't mean he was smoking pot. He means they threw rocks at him till they thought he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked and I today. And he goes on and on and on. Let me ask you this. When you read those verses... If Paul was a wimp, could he have wrote those verses? No wimp could accomplish what Paul did. I mean, for his whole life, once he became a Christian, was mistreatment after mistreatment after mistreatment, taking gospel to people. I mean, it just was what it was. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm afraid most of us would have quit. Because we let other little things keep us from doing what God wants us to do. There's nothing like that. Boy, that's powerful to think about, isn't it? Here's you another one. Matthew 24 and verse 13. You know who's going to be saved? He who endures to the end. Well, I'm getting old. I'm just not up to that anymore. Is it over? It's not over till it's over. Hmm. Got to endure to the end. Does that mean the aging process doesn't affect us? No, it doesn't mean that. But spiritually, as we decline physically, our spiritual strength should become greater, right? Wow. We got to press on. It's not for wimps. And then I look at that idea... As you look back at the passage, besides pressing on, he says in verse 13, I do not regard myself of laying hold. I'm not in heaven yet, he says. 
I'm not there. I'm not receiving the reward fully yet. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. Do you ever let what wasn't right in your past affect who you need to be today? If you do, that's wrong. You can't let that happen. you got to forget it. Let me tell you how important that was. Do you even know when Adam and Eve were set out of the garden? It says they looked back, then they didn't go back because he put cherubim to guard them. You remember Lot and his wife? She couldn't forget what lied behind, what was back in the past either, could she? We could mention example after example. Remember the children of Israel when God brought them through the Red Sea and Moses is up getting the commands and they're thinking about going back. You know, you can never go where God wants to take you if you're always looking in the past. we got to get past that. If you think the older we get, the more we talk about what we used to do, what we used to be, or how things used to be, well, it isn't that way anymore. I just was putting gasoline in my truck the other day, and there's an older fella, older than me. Woo! He was pumping gas in the car in his truck, and he says, man, I remember when gas, I used to drive on $10 a week. I said, I can beat that, buddy. I used to do $3 a week when gas was cheap, but I said, we're not living in the 60s and 70s no more. I said, we're not there. You can get in. I, I remember that. So if you look at it, man, it's 10 times what it cost then. And you can let that be what you talk about all the time. Hmm. Y'all also know what we made hourly wage then too. And it was 10 times less than we're making now. <laughs> so, I mean, you look at things, it's just how it is. But you can't live in the past. Let me tell you, how many of you have sins in the past you're ashamed of? All of us, right? So do those need to haunt me? No, I need to be forgiven of those. I need not to commit those same sins again, but I can't let them monopolize my thoughts. So Luke 9.62 says, Once you put your hand to the plow and you look back, so once you start your Christian life and you look back at the past, do you realize what he said there? You're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. So forgive yourself and move on. That's what he says. Get it. Go. We got today. We got right now. We have to remember that. Wow. I think about another passage we know so well. Turn with me over to Matthew 13 real quick. I'll just mention a couple things here so I don't get lost in this. But in Matthew 13, at the beginning of the chapter, uh, we have the parable of the sower. And then later in verses 18 and the few verses following immediately, we have him explaining the parable of the sower. Well, I only want to look at two things. So rather than taking time to it all, go jump to verse 20 of Matthew 13. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky place, here's who the rocky place is really. This is the man who hears the word of God and immediately receives it with joy. Amen, that's great. That's good. That's awesome. Yet, uh-oh, that's kind of like but. Yet, he has no firm root in himself, but is only 
temporary. He's a wimp. He gave in because he didn't have roots. He couldn't. He couldn't take. He couldn't take the hit and keep standing. He like that old Timex commercial. This will date me. Took a licking and keep on ticking. No, I tell you what, a lot of times when it gets a little not so comfortable, you give in. You don't do what you need to do. Look on down at verse 22, the thorns. Here's what happens here. And the one on whom was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word of God. That's good. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So what happens? Hmm. Something gets a hold of them and chokes them out because it's too much pressure and they're not strong enough to stand up in the midst of struggle. God can't count on you. Whether it was wealth or worry or whatever it was, you know, those are two interesting W words in English, aren't they? Wealth and worry. Does that cause people trouble today? You know what? A lot of times wealth brings on worry. But there's a lot of people that worry because they don't have wealth. And so you look at that wealth and worry. When what should rule us, instead of worry, should be faith, right? And instead of worrying about wealth of this world, we ought to be looking at things which are not seen. We ought to lay up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust doesn't destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. So look at another one real quick on that point before we move on to verse 14 of our text here in Philippians 3. Turn with me over to Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Listen to this verse in verse 9. Let us not lose heart. Now before I even read the rest of the verse, here's what I know. When I just read that, do not lose heart. So that tells me a couple of things. One thing, it's not going to be immediate. It's going to take patience, and it's going to take endurance, and it's going to take commitment. And When it says do not lose heart, many people lose heart because it gets too tough or it takes too long. That's the main two reasons people lose heart. So you know what? It's going to take a while, and it's going to be tough. Do not lose heart. Look what he says. Do not lose heart in doing good. Well, no one else is doing good. You ever heard that? That's like in Tim's class this morning. Where everybody else is doing it, you do what everyone else does, and you'll spend eternity where everyone else will. For in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary. you got to stick it out. you got to go to the end. The only way to get the reward is to finish it. So I think about that idea of you got to forget what's behind you. you got to use those excuses. Well, yeah, this and now that. I didn't say we can't learn from our past, but we've got to hear. I like the person who once just said, you know what you got to do with your past? You've got to get past it. That's kind of it, isn't it? Hmm. So jump back to Philippians 3, <coughs> verse 14. I press on towards the goal. You know, I'm going to rattle a few verses here. I'm going to run out of time looking at them all. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18. One thing it says in there is, looking at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are 
temporary. Let me ask you this. I am so thankful God has blessed me with good health in my life. But he didn't promise to. He didn't promise that. Hmm. See, that's, that's something I can feel. That's physical. I'm thankful for those physical blessings, but he didn't promise me that. What he says, Kendall, you got to look at the things which are not seen. Those are spiritual things. You know, you think about that, things which are not seen. Is God here today? Where is he? I can't see him. Where is he at? Is he over there hiding behind that pillar? You can't see God with these eyes, can you? Hmm. Here in a little while, You're kidding me. That's the body of Christ? Looks like crackers to me. Hmm. It represents the body. And that represents the blood and it's grape juice. And that water doesn't wash away sins, but your obedience to be baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins after believing and confessing and repenting, the blood of Christ, blood, it's water, will wash away your sins. None of those things I just said make any physical sense. You can't see any of those. There are things you can't see. So we look not at the things which are seen. There's a lot of things I see. Caleb mentioned his prayer. I love creation because I see God in it. But you've got to trust what God says even when you can't see it. You've got to trust Him. We've got to remember that. I like another one. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 6 real quick. Hebrews 6, this idea of pressing on, pressing on, pressing on, just leaning, keep going, keep going, keep going. <clears throat> now, when I was a kid growing up, teenager, take my old 55 Chevy. A lot of times, let's say I got out there and battery was dead and wouldn't turn over. My buddies were there, I said, here. Let's give this car a push, and I'll just pop the clutch. Boom, it'll start right up. That wasn't bad unless you were having to do it uphill. You can just, it'll just push clutch, and it'll roll downhill. You know what happens when you start pushing the car uphill, and you stop and let go? It'll come right over top of you. Christianity demands, keep leaning in there. Press on, push it, push it, push it. Quit crying and get to work. Huh. I guess I could have said Christianity isn't for crybabies. Same thing, right? Christianity isn't for those who are going to give in. they got to keep going. So here, listen to this in Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity. Press on to maturity. Press on to full growth. Press on to being more like Jesus. You gotta, you gotta get past the easy stuff and you gotta move on. Let's take math. Some people are more in tune to math than other people. But let's take a kid. He's in third grade. Third grade. They get they do multiplication by third grade, huh? Is that when we start to learn all that multiplication table and all that? How about if I give them a test on geometry? How are the third grade going to do? 
how about if I just give them a little algebra? Or I say, hey, come on, man, this is a little calculus. You ought to be able to handle this. Huh? That's way beyond them. And even when you got a little kid that they learn one plus one is two, and they learn three plus four is seven, and you give them the times table, and they're looking at you like, huh? Because they're not to that level yet. You know, there's a lot of Christians still barely learning the ABCs. Move on. Keep growing. Now, I wish we had time. You know how you know you grow? You teach other people. And if you don't teach, you're still just a little baby. We could look at it. He says, by now you ought to be teachers. Wow. So much to look at and remember of what the Lord teaches us. We've got to press on. And then I think about um, Galatians 5 and verse 1. It says you've got to keep standing firm. Now today, since we're this time of year, and there's going to be some playoff games in the NFL. Now one thing that's interesting to look at, today when you watch the game, do me a favor and watch it a little different if you're watching those games, different than you usually do. Don't pay attention to the ball or the receivers or the backs. Watch them boys right on the front line that are like mountain of men, especially those offensive guards and tackles. And you know what their job is? Is to stand firm and don't let anybody get in here. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, this is, I know I'm playing football. Them guys take more of a beating every week than any running back or receiver or quarterback. Quarterbacks now wear skirts that don't even let you hit them. But anyway, but them boys, they take a beating with another giant on the other side of the line all day long. You know what it takes? Who they just got to tough it out. Hmm. We got to keep standing firm no matter how many shots Satan and the world takes at us. Here's another one. This is a powerful one to me. Turn with me over to 1 Peter 4. There's a lot of passages about being strong as a Christian and keep moving forward and don't, and don't give up. Don't be a wimp. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Look at this. Beloved, do not be surprised. What's he mean? Whatever he's going to say, this shouldn't surprise you. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. So don't be surprised when it's tough. Don't be surprised when there's attacks. Don't be surprised when it's not going your way. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. That comes on you, and you get to prove if you are who you say you are, or you're not. You're just a big talker. As though some strange things were happening to you. Listen to this. But to the degree that you share in the suffering of Christ, did Jesus suffer any? You want me to turn and read all in passage? We'll be here for a while. Keep on rejoicing. What in the world are you trying to say? I'm not going to be surprised at this fire ordeal. It's my testing. And I'm going to, to some degree, share in the suffering. And I'm supposed to keep on rejoicing. Even when it's life isn't good, you rejoice anyway. You know why you rejoice? Because I rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Because salvation is mine in Christ no matter what happens in anything else. Because I keep seeking the things above. That's Colossians 3. I might even have it down here later. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. You stay focused on the right thing. There's enough junk to get in your way all the time. 
And if you listen or read any form of news, it's just written to beat you up. You, I mean, there's not much good thing said. It's always with what's going wrong. And, you know, I even think about it when you get into, we're into this whole election thing. How many good things they say? I mean, I, half the time, I don't even know what they stand for. All they tell me is what's wrong with the other guy. You know what? There's Christians like that. I don't know what they stand for and believe. They can just tell me what's wrong with every other religion. Maybe you ought to know what's right about the Lord and His church first. And that'll take care of most of the problem. I'm still of the opinion, if you know the truth, error's obvious. So we've got to keep on keeping on. We've got to keep seeking the things above. We can't lose sight of that. And we've got to keep on rejoicing, even in the midst of struggles. Just a few more passages, and it's yours. I'll hurry. Turn with me over to Hebrews 11 and verse 6. I just want to show you something in this verse real quick. I love this verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We love that, don't we? You've got to have faith to please God. No ifs, ands, or buts, because it's impossible. But look what he goes on to say. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and must, that, must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, or King James says, diligently seek him. So who's he going to reward? The one who sought him or the one who seeks him? So Christianity is a constantly looking for God and a constantly looking at God and a constantly looking at what God would have us to do. So we've got to hold on to that and remember that. I'm going to end back over in Philippians. So we've got to press on. And we've got to keep reaching forward. We've got to forget what lies behind. And we've got to press towards the goal. But just for real quick, jump down to verse 16. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we've attained. Have you ever known Christians that were on fire and doing great for the Lord and His work, and they now they do little to nothing? So what they attained, they're not doing anymore. And the faith they used to have, they don't have anymore. And the obedience that used to be produced, not produced anymore. He says, no, you've got to keep moving to that same standard. You've got to move on. You've got to keep going forward. People say, Kendall, it's not for wimps, but I just don't think I can do it. Listen to me. Oh, yes, you can. Because the last verse we're going to mention promises you can. You remember what Paul wrote? inspired by God through the Holy Spirit in Philippians 4.13. Can you do it? You know why you can't do it? Put that up to 4.13. I can do all things through Him. That's Christ. Who strengthens? If you can't do it, you know what the problem is? You're not going through Him. You're not going through Him. You're not, you can't do it. And now you're saying He can't do it. Well, He can too do it. And so when you say you can't do it as a Christian, I can't do what he said, you're saying Christ can't do it. Christ can do it. And if you'll depend on him, you'll do it. 
Without him, you fail. We already know we fail without Christ. That's the whole reason we became Christians. So, be strong in the strength of the Lord. If we had time, we'd look at that passage. We got to press on, we got to stay focused. We got to be remembering to rejoice in the great blessings he gives us, even in the midst of the struggles. So, in closing, before we sing the invitation song, do you remember these two guys? Their names was Paul and Silas, and they got arrested. And they got chained up in jail, shackled, chained up, in, and they got thrown in the deepest part of the jail. And so here they are. They pre all they did was do what was right and preach the gospel, and they got shackled up in there. You know what most of us do? God, why'd you let him do this to me? That's what most of us would do. Not them. They start singing praises. They have a jail devotional. That's what they do. They start praising God while they're shackled up. Now, I'm not even going to tell the rest of the story. The big thing is, no matter how tough life got, you know what they remembered? Who's in control and what blessed? We're still right with God. What difference does the jail make? Because we're more than conquerors through Him. And so we're going to sing the invitation song today. And if we can help you in any way, in any way with your relationship with God, and if you've thrown in the towel because you weren't who you needed to be, or you let your past control you and you're not obedient to Him because of that, if we can help you this day, please come as we stand and sing.